Hey, drama listeners. I just wanted to pop in before the episode with Princess Diana herself, Gina Duvall, to tell you a little bit about our bonus content platform, Patreon. So it's officially been one year since Connor and I launched Patreama, and we are having so much fun over there. It's where we deliver bonus episodes, Instagram close friends access, merch drops, first looks at different things that we're working on for the podcast, and you're part of the community that truly supports us every single month, and we couldn't do it without you. If you have been a longtime listener or a new listener, I highly encourage you to check out our backlog of, I mean, there's probably at least 40 or 50 episodes in there now, as well as other fun stuff. You just go on patreon.com backslash the drama podcast where for $4.99 a month, you are supporting us, helping us keep things going, and you'll get to have even more fun because we really consider the drama podcast community a family. Now, I hope you enjoy this episode today. We talk all things Princess Diana, and of course, we have to give a shout out to our pal Zach Adkins who is in Diana on Netflix. I know you're all going to go and have to check that out and make sure you support live theater. Thank you so much. And now on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in in New New York York City City and and the world. world. I'm Connor McDowell. I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, you're back in New York. (laughs) I am back, back, back again at long last. I feel reborn. Is that too? Yeah. Is that drama? <laughs> no, it is. Well, you know, but this is the first time you've recorded in, in New York since what July of twenty twenty last year. Oh I know, gosh. I know. With Carol Lindsay, our final New York interview. I know, iconic. I am so happy to be back. It's crazy. I forgot about the energy of the city. It's like stinky and hot and gross, but I love being here. There's like this hunger I feel when I walk down the streets, and it's just. I don't know. I feel... Is like it because I... you live by Empanada Mama? Or... <laughs> no. I don't. I've been back for a weekend and I've been there twice. I'm envious beyond compare. I'm glad that you had a fun return weekend to the city. Oh my God, so fun. But you had a fun weekend too. I did. In Columbus. Columbus, Ohio is truly where it's at. And last night I got to be at... They randomly did Pride during Labor Day weekend in Columbus. <laughs> so random. I know, and everyone kept saying, happy Pride. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going with the, like, Pride is 365 days a year thing. <laughs> Not in June. And it was Nina West's final performance in Columbus before she hits the road with Hairspray. So she did, oh. like, an emotional farewell. And, you know, she's our hometown girl. And actually, our guest today was on Nina West's podcast back oh like, earlier in the pandemic. Dragcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Does Nina still do that podcast? No, and I miss it. She's America's sweetheart. Yeah. Honestly. Wait, which Rue Girl was the best this weekend? Oh, I think Jan. To me, it's all about Jan. But I will say Jada Essence Hall, La La Ree, and Widow Von Du turned it last night. Love that. It was an all-star lineup. If, if anyone wasn't isn't curious about the drag in Columbus, I got to see Raven as well this weekend. There was just a lot going on. And she said that Ohio is Ohio, Florida, and Texas are the three biggest states for drag. Like no matter where she goes, the hunger is there and they're always sold out shows. And I was like, yeah, we're really lucky. I was I'm surprised she didn't say New York, but yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, well, it was amazing. I'm glad you got to see so many queens. I know. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a race chaser at heart. So I I was living my full fantasy. 
So Dylan, we're talking to a queen today, or I guess I should say a princess. A princess, a different, yes, a different type of royal, <laughs> shall we say. Yes. And I'm going to read this introduction and bring her in because it's time to get the party started. Please do. Our guest today is royalty, honey. She wears the crown as Diana, Princess of Wales, in the new Broadway musical Diana, opening this November after debuting on Netflix October 1st. The star is no stranger to the Great White Way, first appearing in American Idiot as Heather, followed by a scene-stealing turn as Lauren in Kinky Boots. She also toured the country in the traveling company of Wicked, coming and going by Bubble as Glinda. She originated the role of Dawn in the ART production of Waitress, which I did not know, and the role of Mary Berry in the ART production of Finding Neverland, both directed by Diane Paulus. Off-Broadway, she starred in Orwell in America at 5090's 59th Theater and played Chris in MCC Theater's reimagined production of Carrie. We'll get into that. You might also know her from We Will Rock You in the UK as Sophia on Marvel's Iron Fist on Netflix, and as Janet in the Rocky Horror Show at the Old Globe. She is the founder of Broadway Weekends, a theater camp for performers of all ages, taught by the top Broadway talent, the best people imaginable, truly. She's featured on the cast album for Diana, which is out at the time of this episode's release, and we are honored to be joined by this incredible performer. Please welcome to drama, Gina, Gina Duvall! Hello. Wow. That was quite the resume read. <laughs> I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so happy to meet you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Where are you calling in from? I'm at my mother's. I'm about to go to a barbecue with my mother as soon as we finish this. So that's why I have a, a nice non-revealing shirt on. <laughs> yes, it's very modest. Very modest. It's like what's well, one of these things I bought because it was like so on sale once, and I well, obviously you would never wear the shirt. Why would you wear the shirt? It's t definitely too big for me. But then you have a moment like today, and you're like, I think the 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 folks at the uh, the estate will appreciate it. I love. Are it. you in the states or are you in the UK? Jersey. I'm like an hour and a half from New York. I moved first to followed. She's um, actress turned software engineer at Google, and then my parents. Uh, were like, let's get a place uh, near the girls. So they moved like as close to the city as they could afford while still like having a house and stuff. And so we're on this, I'm sat like on this pretty golf course. It's like an over 65 estate kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I moved first. But now my dad's disappeared to Dubai. He He's moved to Dubai. So that was right. But international. Like I love it. As he is. He is. Now, uh, you're, you're based on your last name and everything, I'm curious about the origin of your name in general. What is your nationality? My dad's South African and my mom's British. Okay. So are you, do you have um, dual citizenship? I have an American passport. Yes. yes. Well, it's a delight to meet you. Of course, I mentioned this beforehand, but we're good friends with Zach Adkins and he sends his love and adores you and was thrilled to recently teach with Broadway Weekends. Oh, yeah. He was quite the heartthrob at Broadway Weekends, I believe. I was told by the team that he was very popular at Broadway Weekends. Yeah, Broadway Weekends, we moved online. It says, come to me and my sister started as sort of a passion project years ago. And it was a theater camp for adults, mature adults, which because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to do for a minute, but we're having another camp in, in December this winter. Oh, how fun. Oh, fun. We like rent studios. And then it's like just 
jam-packed with like different workshops and there's like a group ensemble number that everyone like develops together with like blocking and choreography and and you know then developing characters all the work but it's specifically for adults we rent off-broadway theater we bring them to a show we go for a drink like it's brilliant so that's coming back in the winter but during this pandemic we had to pause our in-person stuff and so we moved online and we've now done online classes to over 25 every week to students across 40 different countries and yeah it's cool and then now we're partnering with diana we're gonna make an online education program for diana the musical that school teachers like middle and high school teachers can use in class like so you're not learning about diana you're learning theater subjects but you're using like the diana material and maybe you know the writers of the shows too as like the source material for theater workshops and like you can watch the show and then have a dance workshop with someone who you just watched in the film so we're like in the thick of that right now it's like it sounds like it was probably a passion project that has now turned into a huge success it has turned into a huge part of my life yeah those things where you're like wow decisions that you make like really do impact you do you know what I mean like sometimes whether that be like a job or a relationship or a project whatever you like comes things and then like five years later you're like oh this is significant in my life (laughs) when did you start Broadway Weekends because I'll never forget I was visiting New York in like 2017 before I moved there full-time for a while and I was in a rush line for Sunday in the Park with George and I don't know if it was Mm. you I don't know if it was your sister. No, it you, it was me. It was definitely me. Came up and you were pa- you were <laughs> passing out flyers. And I am still on the mailing, like the email list. Weekly. Weekly. And I read it cover to cover. Oh, I can't believe that. Yes, that is how I initially got started. I literally would go to the rush lines, which are like the hardcore theater fans. And I would just annoyingly go along the line, just giving out flyers. I think at one point I tried to get email addresses, but that didn't go so well. You got <laughs> mine. You certainly got mine that day. Oh my God. I respect the hustle so much. That's amazing. So how, how long has Broadway Weekends, like what was the founding date? Well, I think our first in-person workshop was March of 2017. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. But that was like, we've gone from like, me running it out of my catering wages do you know what i mean like like not legal paperwork to like an actual we have an llc kind of thing do you know what i mean so like so um i think we got like serious not serious i don't know what serious is but yeah the first camp was like 2017 but it was very very baby it was a baby it's still- oh, yeah and now it's good look now you're gonna be in school it's like that's like so incredible like props to you and i can imagine and i'm assuming here was it did it come from a place of unemployment or a place of like a career Like, oh, like, what am I going to do right now? Sort of and sort of not. So the initial was like when it was just the in-person camps, it was never a sit-down moment where I was like, wow, I don't have a job. I need to like change careers. It was just I definitely was in an unemployed moment. So I think you just have like, you have to start filling your days when you're, I mean, we've all experienced that in this pandemic. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes, we know. But you know, like you can't actually just sit on the couch every day and like, see people who aren't actors will be like, what? You sound ridiculous. But sometimes you just have to be unemployed and you have to live off your savings. That is literally how the industry works. If you take another job, you are, you know, you're not available for auditions. So like, sometimes you just have to be, you know, it's famine time. Hopefully Mm -hmm. come again. Do you know what I mean? So that's just 
being part of a working actor. So it used to just give me a lot of joy to organize them because obviously it's people who are like, and I still am in contact, like many of them have come multiple times, like who do other things with their lives, they're uh, scientists or doctors or anything under the sun. And then this is their week just to like enjoy performing, which is quite recharging for an actor who maybe is in the tough industry and gets down yourself just to see people like, loving for me being like wow like this is my job you know so it was good for me as well which is how it started have you ever seen the show encore on disney plus um i don't think so it's like Kristen bell like hosted it and it would be like they'd reunite casts of high school musicals to like come back together like 10 15 20 years later yeah yeah and it's it, it kind of sounds like that like in the way of like people who didn't pursue the arts but still have that love and honestly maybe even that talent and they get to revisit that. And it it seems, I'm sure it's an emotional experience for many too. Oh my gosh. It is because I think like, especially singing on your own. And I just want to say we would never force someone. But there are a, lot, are a lot of people at the beginning of the week who are like, count me out. I'm definitely not singing at the final performance. Um, and then, you know, like the day before they're like, I'm going to have a go, you know? And there's like a huge, when, when you're in a shared experience and other people are nervous, it becomes emotional. Like when you see other people like doing it. It's cool. Oh, I love it. Well, congrats to you. I feel like this, the sky is the limit with Broadway weekends. I, I feel like it's just going to keep going. And how exciting that you get to combine literally the two big career moments you're having right now to make something so positive, you know? I'm so grateful. And I can't believe it. And I hope we pull it off. And I'm sure we will. And yay. But like, yes, yeah, complete just like synergy of the pandemic coming to an end (laughs) (laughs) okay so i want to get into diana and i want to get into truly all of the amazing things you've done because truthfully when i was doing research on you well we talked about this before we started recording but you've done more press than i think any human's ever done for anything uh, for diana for the last two or what two three years four years i don't even know how long it's been going so props to you but you have had such an amazing career and you've been in so many awesome things that I've gotten to see and I want to dive into all that but before I've got a question for you okay are you well I'm well excellent what does that mean well we just like to check in with all of our guests a little wellness check a little okay no I'm good I'm very good you're good yeah because (laughs) we find especially during the pandemic people were all over the place with you know what they were feeling what they were doing I was unwell I still kind of am but Anyway, I'm glad you're doing well. Okay, so my second question is, we like to talk to all of our guests about a moment of origin when they recognized that they wanted to be involved in the arts in some way. And we call it a ring of keys moment because it's inspired by the musical Fun Home. Do you feel like you had that moment where you thought, oh my gosh, I love this. I need to be a part of this. I'm going to really not answer this how you want me to answer this. Not really. I literally went to a performing arts boarding school from the age of 11. So wow. for a long time in my 20s, I was like, did I choose this? Or is this because I'm a really competitive person and was put in an environment where the thing to succeed at was singing and acting and dancing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's like an online go- ongoing debate I've had myself. But I actually find as I get older, the more I'm like though this is my place like how much I can enjoy it and how much I like the being in the rehearsal room and how much I like working on stuff and you know my own development myself of taking rejection from auditions or you know even annoying my agent and just being like I don't want to audition it's ridiculous it's like yes you can go in the room learn the lines and do it but sometimes you just like 
can't because you're being ridiculous. But like all those th- no get negotiations and stuff, I don't mind. And so it's more that I've got older. I'm like, well, maybe this is place for me as an actor. But I still have ridiculous dreams of other things I want to do, which have nothing to do with what I know. And you know, at some point, maybe you uh, you've chosen your life, or or who knows? Some people would say uh, you could restart forty, but who knows? I don't know. I'm all over the map. No, that that totally makes sense to me, and I. I love though that you went to a performing arts boarding school. I've literally never heard of that before. Was that over in the UK? It was in the UK. My family lived in Solihull, which is close to Birmingham at the time. And the boarding school was about 40 minutes out of London, so south. It was brilliant. We'd come home for one weekend a month. Oh, wow. And it was brilliant. Yeah, I slept in a dorm with like seven other people. There's quite a few other like successful performer, actor people who went there in the close years around me. And it was just like a very creative environment to grow up in. I can imagine. How cool. I'm getting I'm getting like Harry Potter vibes. Maybe because it's like British boarding school, but was it like the Gryffindor common room? <laughs> it's very Harry Potter vibes. It's a mansion, a Rothschild mansion that's been converted into a school. It has like a basement. It has like all that crazy stuff. We wore uniform. It's very Harry Potter. Imagine Harry Potter was singing and dancing rather than magic and you're you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually that would be such a good TV show or movie. I think this could be another career move for Eugenia. <laughs> <laughs> now, sometimes like, you know, we often talk about Ring of Keys being it might have happened when you're young, it might happen later on. And I'm curious if when you've sort of been in New York, if you've seen any performances or performers who really spoke to you and affirmed that you're like, "Oh, I see them and I I love what they're doing and I know that this is what I'm meant to be doing because I'm so inspired by their performance. Oh, I mean, I see performances that I'm blown away by regularly in New York. I mean, I go to a lot of plays, um, especially with my sister. And um, I, do, I, I think it inspires me more as a human than as an actor. I'm not, I'm not mm. more feel uninspired when I see someone brilliant be like, I should quit. <laughs> <laughs> it inspires me as a human. I, I, it's just amazing to watch someone like work through emotions and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love watching performing. I think I love watching performing more than definitely more than I enjoy performing. I love watching. Oh, wow. I know. Dylan, it's funny you asked that question because I feel like that's not something we often talk about. You know, most people interpret Ring of Keys as, you know, when I was eight, I saw this production of this show and this performer inspired me to get into acting lessons or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and it's interesting for you to discuss it as something that could happen much later on. Like, you know, we, I, I forget who we had on the podcast that we were talking to about it, but they were talking about how they saw Cynthia Erivo in the color purple, you mm-hmm. know, in 2016. And they felt like that was a ring of keys moment for them in their twenties. And they were like, Oh my Lyndon God. Lyndon Watts said that. Oh yeah. From Hamilton, mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. He was saying that that was just one of those moments when he thought I want to do for audiences what she is doing for us right now. It's not just a performance. This is an experience. And I loved that. Yeah, that's cool. Now, Gina, what was it that brought you over to the States eventually? Oh my gosh. So I was in, we were queue in London and my green card came through in that year. My dad had applied for us as a family um, in our teens and it took years and years and years and it came through. And um, so I'd also met a bunch of the hair Broadway cast who were doing it in the West End at the time. And I was hanging out with them and they were like, I remember them saying stuff, you know, if you move to New York, you can audition like twice a day if you want. And I was like, really? Because in London, I felt I felt like I would maybe get an audition a month. But there's so much going on in New York. It's insane how much musical theater there is going on in New York. And so my 
contract closed in 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 london there's no outs so it's not like you can just rolling audition you have to like finish a contract and decide either to unemploy yourself or to do another year so um at that break i was just like okay and i went moved to new york my dad came with me and helped me rent a little place in the upper west side and he stayed with me for a week and then i started doing open auditions and from that I got a job. And that was American Idiot. That was actually not American Idiot. That was Wonderland, which was a different Broadway show at the time. But then because I got Wonderland, I could say to some agents, hi, I got this contract, can take me on. So then they put me up for Idiot. And so my debut was an Idiot. Oh, wow. Okay. Was that a good experience for you? It was unbelievable. It was so, so, so good. It was so fantastic. It was was so good for so many reasons. First of all, I love the show. So it's awesome to be part of a show that you think is excellent. And second of all, the people in it were some of the nicest people to this day that I know in New York. And also some of the coolest people that I know to this day in New York. Billy Joe Armstrong was a literal angel it was brilliant. And I also, I know that cast, because I was like a baby, and I know that cast partied hard. <laughs> Came in at the tail end, which I think was like a good place for me to come in, just like break me in gently to New York, which was still pretty aggressive. But but, <laughs> but I think I would have lost my mind if I'd come in at the beginning. I would. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. And that was at the St. James, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that theater so much. Yeah, it's a great theater. There's like great stories about how, I forget what, um, producers or owners i think it might be the is the schuberts or somebody works like right in the building next door and they would hear just the rock music through the the walls when they were trying to get work done during the day yeah i'm sure i don't know if my body would be able to do that show now i'm not joking it was it was very i mean i had the easiest track but even still (laughs) yeah is heather is heather the one who is with the guy who sits on the couch the majority of the show exactly just get to make out with someone like <laughs> I want that job. It was not bad. I love it. And so then w- when did you start working with Diane Paulus? Like how how did that come about? Cuz you're in two of these out of town projects. Did you have some sort of roots in Cambridge in some way? No, not at all. I auditioned for Finding Neverland like Telsey's office in Midtown. You know, had a brilliant summer. I love working with Diane Paulus. She's out of this world brilliant like she's one i i don't even mean her work i just mean like how she approaches everyday life like she if, if she was like but whatever she's doing she's doing it with like 150 percent attention to detail like her eyes are wide open and she is very invested and she's like a very intense human being but it's just such an amazing like fire she brings into like every single scenario or conversation that she's involved in so that was really cool I didn't stay with that show when I went to Broadway, though, because Lauren is just a better role in Kinky Boots, especially as they were cutting the song and yada, yada, yada. And then um, I auditioned for Waitress, like any other show. And I mean, I'm sure it helped that I knew Diane because I already worked with her. Or how, how? What was Waitress different out of town versus when it came in to New York? It was different. I mean, I think like, I mean, the original idea was very, um, or that I remember they pitching us in the set, first set meeting, whatever, was very like Sweeney Todd at the bakery mm-hmm. kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like on downtown, yeah. because I remember them even saying like, we're going to serve pies. Like it's going to be like a very, you know, but that's when the, when the, ba- the show is like such an, like working on shows is amazing because it's like this amorphous little baby and it could be Sweeney Todd at the pie shop or it could be a massive like, you know sets move in and move out like and for a long time a lot of people don't even aren't i don't know aren't sure where it's going or it seems like people mm-hmm. aren't sure <laughs> but um but so yeah it changed a lot 
But it's really, I love that show. I, I love Sarah Bareilles so much. Mm. She was another dream person to work with. She was just amazing. Amazing. And she's a few years older than me. Not much, but like four or five, maybe. And so I think it's interesting that she was like my age now when she was writing Waitress, which is crazy because you know, like those four or five years make quite a difference of how you oh, see yeah. someone pretty and the responsibility and the, all this stuff. I'm like, Wow, that was like my age. She was doing. She's amazing. I mean, not not to downplay yourself though, because look at what all the things that you're doing now. You're in this moment, and I feel like this is the moment for you right now. I mean, you are playing one of the most beloved icons ever. I mean, literally, there was a Beanie Baby made for her, like you know, truly. And we're also in this moment now where there's three iterations of Diana happening all at once. Well, I mean, I suppose the Crown already happened and is continuing to happen, but it's sort of like this perfect storm. Like it's the name on everyone's lips. Literally. Yeah. How gorgeous is that poster for the Spencer film? Isn't that stunning? The, yes. Wait, the one that's coming out with, yeah, I haven't, I'm not sure I've seen the poster, but the, I've seen the trailer. It looks amazing. Oh yeah. It's of her in, in, you know, in the dress and she's like on the ground, like, oh, I'm, I just moved away from my <laughs> mic. So that was probably bad audio, but she, it's Diana on the ground and she's turned away and she's kind of like fallen into herself. And it's just, you see the dress. It's, it's brilliant. I, I love it. I love it. So you're playing Diana. Well, you will, I guess at the time of this, will, many people will be able to see you as Diana in many different ways on Netflix, in person on Broadway. They'll be able to hear you on the cast album. This has probably been, I don't know, what an anticipated moment because it was finally in previews right when the shutdown happened. And then when was your opening night going to be? Oh, yeah. It's such an anticipated moment. We were one week away from opening. So like, so excited for people to see it and nervous and all those things but i just want to rip the band-aid off at this point because do people like it or do people not like it you know and i think they're gonna love it but i hope people are gonna love it you know so yeah it's it's time to birth the baby oh yeah is the musical the story is it like her entire life or is it on a specific moment in time it's focused on the marriage okay so this is gonna cool. be intense it's definitely yes it's it's there are stakes Absolutely. Now, what's what sort of research did you do in order to learn how to embody? I mean, obviously, you're making your own version of the Princess of Wales, but luckily, we do have a lot of footage of her. What was your process like? I remember, I remember when we started in Vassa because that's where we did the first reading. I would just sit each morning and while I was like eating my breakfast and stuff, and just watch for hours, just watch YouTube videos, and really kind of copy for lack of a better word how she sounds how she moves how she all those things and then after many iterations and workshops and stuff it actually became important that i um i started doing gyrotonics because one the effortlessness of her have actually shifted in my person as well from all the work i've done diana thing but i used to walk very pedestrian like if that makes sense and my posture can be very like uh, in your 20s vibe and I also it, when I was really really singing like high belting my my neck would come forward and like things like that that are like habits that just take you away from who Diana is and how Diana moves so once I sort of copied to a point that I felt like I could do then it actually became time to get help and so um up into the Broadway run I think for about four months I did gyrotonics four or five times a week wow. heels and then singing and then singing in heels and singing heels my head against the wall so like practice all that and um with so, books yeah. on your head like to keep your posture <laughs> put myself through my own like uh, <laughs> allocution uh -huh. oh wow 
the modern My Fair Lady moment to make you the Princess of Wales. That's pretty iconic. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. So it's coming on Netflix and you guys filmed it during the pandemic. So that's also a highly anticipated moment, too, because you filmed it like a year ago, right? I know. Well, what is time anymore? I mean, (laughs) truly (laughs) that part, that part. So I guess I'm curious. And if you're not allowed to talk about this, no need to. We can just like move on. But so it was in previews when Broadway shut down. Did they make any changes before the Netflix version was filmed? And so were you like in the rehearsal room again to learn new material or was it pretty much what it was? Yes. Um, I think we can go about this. I don't, I, um, yes, we were back in the rehearsal room. There was about 30 pages that we changed. Oh, okay. Quite a big change. And also we had to like clean it and get it up, um, after a pretty good break. That was probably tough. So were you, were you doing your, your exercises again to what, what did you call it? Geratonics? Well, there wasn't as much time. We only got told by the producers, like, maybe maybe five six weeks notice i think i got six and i think the ensemble got four five so maybe six so it wasn't the same amount of time it was a whirlwind experience filming the show was a whirlwind experience it was also at that moment in the pandemic that everyone had really sort of settled into this is going to be a Mm -hmm. long time so it was tough mentally too to get and the filming schedule was was very intense like we did the cast album recording on the days off oh my god it was a very very intense experience and the music is um it's the creators of memphis right it's the creators of memphis and the creators have come from away oh wow well this is gonna be amazing oh right chris ashley's the director right kelly divine's the choreographer iconic team here this is gonna be great i'm so excited to see it the advertising agency that i work at represents diana so (laughs) i would be sitting at work my my good girlfriend jackie who sat next to me when she used to work there we would be sitting next to each other and it was like so fun to hear her like going through all the different poster options for what you know what's the marquee gonna look like it was it was a really it's such an ambitious task because like as we've said diana's probably the most iconic figure in the last 30 years other than trump but trump's iconic in a bad way but you know what i mean like Diana lives on in everyone's hearts in such a positive way. And so it's no surprise to me that we're at a moment here, you know, what, like 20 plus years after her passing, and we're getting all of these creative projects honoring her life. There's always such a fascination with her. And I think something I was interested in when I was watching The Crown last fall was how young she was when she got married. It's it's interesting how our perspective, I mean, not just on, the, on this Diana story, on a lot of stories, but it's interesting how much our perspective shifts and morphs in 20 years of like, what wasn't even batted an eye at of, this, uh, you know, everything you're trying to say by she was so young and so innocent and all those things. And like, and now it just wouldn't be accepted. In 20 years, our whole perspective has changed so much. Mm-hmm. On, on, yeah. on everything. Yeah. Now, of course, the queen is played by a true queen, Judy Kay. What has that been like working with her? <laughs> Gosh. So Miss Judy is um, a dream come true. She has so much energy. She is just like a professional actor through and through, does the job, brings energy, is positive, is like excellent, is focused, never gives a B, her, you know, never gives a B effort always gives an A effort, kind, like I can't say enough good things about her. Oh, I love that so much. That's cool. And, and the, I mean, the whole, like we mentioned, Zach is in the cast and it's really a great group. And I'm sure you're eager to get back to the Long Acre very soon. Wait, so when you, not to switch topics so abruptly, but when you were in Carrie, 
I literally, you were Chris, and I think she, that's like the juiciest role in the show. Hot take. I think she has such a, it's a, it's a complete arc, you know? Well, until it's got short. Did you like being in Carrie? Were you a fan of it before? I didn't know it before. I love being Carrie. But again, much more, I mean, the experience. I feel, feel like once you're in a show, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. You just say your lines. But the part that becomes alive is what your life is being in this show, you know? So, um, so my life in Carrie was amazing. It was Wait, was that my show directly after Idiot? Maybe. So I'm still a baby. I'm like 22 or something, 23 maybe. And we're in the West Village and we're creating the show and we all think it's going to be the new Spring Awakening and everybody is convinced it's the new Spring Awakening. From like lead producer to team, we are the next thing to take over Broadway. So um, that was such a wild ride to be part of part of a show with that much like gumption about it oh i can imagine and i love that, that there's a cast album for it as well cast album yes yes which i don't sound like that anymore <laughs> well not after all of your training all of your your geratonics and everything that's been going on right i just yeah it's just i just i just don't sound like the same person i mean i'm literally 10 years different but it's just so funny to him i'm like wow you're wow that doesn't even i wouldn't even recognize it as myself Oh, wait, I forgot to ask a question about Diana that I, I'm curious about. What's your favorite moment to perform in the show that you're most excited to get back to? Ooh, I love singing a song called The Words Came Pouring Out. Well, we'll have to be excited to listen to that then because I'm I'm eager to hear it all. It's it's going to be amazing. Connor and I are, are a bit of um, Anglophiles, so we, we truly love all things British. And this is going to be a treat. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so we are wrapping up here, and before we say goodbye, we like to end on a dose of drama, a little pop culture recommendation to leave our listeners with. It could be something you want to rant about, something you want to rave about, something that happens in your literal real life out in the wild. I'm feeling dramatic about something, and it's on brand with the royals and all of that for today, but I'm feeling dramatic about the fact that in all of these different versions um, covering Diana and Charles's marriage, they... They tend to really, really cast very hot guys to play Charles, and I don't find him to be hot in real life. And it's really <laughs> screwing with me because specifically, you know, Josh O'Connor in The Crown, he is literally so freaking cute with those ears and freckles and that little voice. And it's playing mind tricks on me because this is a toxic man in many ways. But that's right because in his day he was like the hot guy in town like he literally had every single high to do lady so that he, he was considered hot okay so i i see what you mean here so they're they're doing the the thing to honor the time in a modern way the story is this really hot prince that everyone wants to marry yeah mm -hmm. that makes sense i don't have a dose of drama yet connor oh my god i'm, tr I'm trying to think of all the different things that i have going on in my life and I guess I will say that my current dose of drama is that I finally caved and I am watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Ugh, I, everyone's been talking about it this season because of this Erica Jane legal scenario. And I feel so left out that because I watched New York, I watched Potomac, I watched Salt Lake. And I thought, you know what? I need to just do it. And I'm, I'm a week in and two seasons in. So I've got quite a ways to go, but I'm loving it despite it feeling it feels very different than the other season series that i watch and i think it's just it's so delusional like rich like abundance it's it's very much that 
in a different way than the New York gals are or Potomac. I would agree with you. I think it's that perhaps the women don't feel like our friends with perhaps the exception of Kyle Richards, in my opinion, they all sort of feel like these perhaps tragic figures in Hollywood living life of glamour, but there's obviously so much there's so much darkness in Beverly Hills. I mean, between the Kim Richards of it all, the Taylor Armstrong marriage stuff. Yeah, which I, I'm, I'm experiencing that now. It's like I just finished the second season. Yeah. So, but it's it's good. And and I just, I can't say enough that Bravo has changed me <laughs> in the last year. Like I, I never knew what I was missing. And I feel bad that I kind of turned my nose up at times to people who were like housewife fans and whatnot, because I used to be the prestige drama super fan, like, you know, the ABC or HBO series. But now like I I truly want to just unwind on the couch with some Bravo and a cold beverage. And I can sort of mindlessly watch while I do laundry or something. It's just, it's it's truly the best. I love it. Uh, my drama, I think you might be psychic because I was like, oh, I have something that's pop culture. But I was like, but it's so random. I'll never segue to it. It'll be so weird. And the thing I was thinking of was... I'm a reality TV show obsessive, like so much shit. And what I wanted to say was the real Black China is my pop culture recommend. (laughs) I've heard it's so good. It is so good. There is two episodes where this very good therapist interviews um, them individually and then together. And it is probably some of the best TV you've ever seen in your life. Oh my goodness. I need to watch it. I have to, I'm, I'm literally going to check it out. I know reality TV has been so amazing for me. Wait, so are, are you watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this season? No, I've watched, I mean, I know, but, but I don't think I'm up to date in this season. The shows I'm watching at the moment um, are, actually I only have one show at the moment. It's Love After Lockup. Oh my goodness. I have so many friends who watch that and love it. <laughs> I've yet to come around on it though. It's really good. Oh my God, I'll have to check it out. Well, listen, Gina, this was so great to get to chat with you here. I cannot wait to see Diana on Netflix and real in real life in person. And I want to say yes. congrats to you on everything going on with Broadway weekends. I think it's such an incredible endeavor and it's bringing joy to so many people. And that's the kind of stuff I can always get behind. You're making positive changes and bringing positive experiences to people. And that's just amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. You know, actually, I'm thinking now one of our deep friends of the podcast, Molly, is very involved in Broadway Weekends, Molly Sexton. And I just want to give her a shout out. Gosh, yes, Molly. Mm-hmm. Core member of the Broadway Weekends at Home Society. She has been there since like the pandemic started and she's amazing. Oh, oh, we love. She's she's a delight. We never have met in real life, but she and I both live in Ohio currently. So we need to make that happen. Um, we had a few people start to meet up in real life. That is so special. Like one one person from Germany and one person from, I'm, I'm going to get wrong, but no, somewhere like Holland or something, met and they did a Broadway Weekends at Home class together. And one's, that, there's a couple that's dating now that are from different countries. It's so cool. You did that. Isn't that crazy to think about that? You're like, these people wouldn't have met without you. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like me. It feels like my team. <laughs> like, it feel like me. It feels like a very team effort. Yeah. Oh, well, it's so good to chat with you after, after previously having met in that rush line all those years ago. So congratulations to you on everything that has happened and everything, honestly, that is to come for you. I, I have a feeling it's going to be an amazing year ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Yeah. Now where can everyone find you? Oh, my Instagram is the big 
Deval, and Deval is spelt D-E-W-A-A-L. Love it. And I am at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. We are at The Drama Podcast. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama! Drama.